listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Brandon and Joe Micucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a late night edition of Shot Callers. It is just past midnight on July 21st, 2021. Uh, and before we start anything, it's Kyle Brandon's birthday. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you, thank you. The big 2-9. Yes, so, sir. Uh, yeah, yes, appreciate sir. it, man. What a good way to spend it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, we got a very awesome basketball game tonight. Um, game six of the NBA Finals just wrapped up probably about a half hour ago. The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Phoenix Suns 105-98, to securing their first title in 50 years. What an awesome game. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo gives us a 50-piece, a 50-piece in a series clincher. He gets finals MVP. Kyle, what are your initial thoughts following the game? Uh, I mean, literally, Giannis legacy game. Um, yes. Haven't – just like off the top of my head, it felt, I mean, as impactful as like LeBron in 2015-esque. Yeah. It was – the night of Giannis kind of on all fronts, um, physically dominant. Um, yeah. I mean, this will be known as, as the Giannis series, um, and, and the honest game. Yeah. Kept up yeah. with the honest game. And, you know, just this game was so interesting. Um, never has the cliche, a game of runs fit a game more than I feel like what we just watched. Um, you know, in that first quarter, it started off so sloppy. I mean, I felt like I was watching a CYO fifth and sixth grade B team game, the way both these teams were played. I mean, Phoenix comes out shooting 29.2% from the field. And it felt like the only reason this game was still close at the start was because they were getting bailed out by Milwaukee, just having cold shooting as well. Um, but yeah, it was, and, it, yeah, it was two for 12, how they started out with five turnovers in the first yeah. shot, uh, first 12 shot attempts. It was, really rough to see yeah and i don't know if it was jitters or or what but yeah for it sure. was not the, it was not the kind of basketball we're used to seeing in this series yeah and then we see phoenix cuts it to four late in the first gets to gets it to 11 to 15 and then milwaukee goes on a 15 to 5 run to end the quarter and, and i think right there you kind of started to get the feeling of oh yeah here we go it's milwaukee's time to shine or so we thought because instead, we kind of got some game five deja vu, except it was Phoenix in the second quarter who outscored Milwaukee 31 to 13 to take a, take the lead going into the half, actually. And um, I thought, you know, going into the half, this was super winnable for Phoenix. Chris Paul showed back up. He had 13 points on six of 10 shooting with four assists and only one turnover going into the halftime break. And it looked like it was going to be another tragedy. From Drew Holiday, dude was shooting a one from eleven from the field with only two points. I mean, it, it was rough. Um, but then, yeah, and, oh, and continuing ahead. to struggle at the rim for yeah. whatever reason. He, he's yeah. statistically he's not bad at the rim. That's not a, it's not an area where he struggles. But this series has been really, really rough. Yeah, he he just never got it going on his drives. It, it was very odd to see. 
But we'll kind of circle back to Drew Holiday as we go through the second half because I thought he hit some really timely buckets down the stretch. But mm-hmm. as far as the third quarter goes, it can only be summed up. And I, I remember texting you midway through the third. Giannis. 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 I, he went for 20 points, six of nine shooting, one for two from three, seven of seven from the free throw line. Say it again, uh, Joe. Say it again. Seven of seven from the free throw line. Three rebounds, one assist. He just completely took over this game for Milwaukee. He did what you want to see your super-duper megastar do. That third quarter was masterful. Yeah. um, I mean, (laughs) in your text, my notes for the third quarter, you said my notes for the third quarter, Giannis. And I think my response was bold, all caps, yeah. underlined, red font, Giannis. I, mean, I really again, did that too. It, yeah, it, it, as good of a quarter as we've seen in, in a long time. And the free throws, I, I'm sure we'll get to it, but the free throw yeah. shooting was immaculate. If he shoots just average for himself, right? If he shoots somewhere in the 60% on almost 20 attempts, that's the seven points right there. Right? We're going that's back to Phoenix points. for game seven. Yeah. That's the seven points they win by. So, um, I mean, he didn't let it get to that. He was he was clutch. Yeah. And, you know, for as good as he was in that third quarter, though, Phoenix hung around. We were tied at the end of three. And you just started to get this feeling of, you know, where is this going to go in the fourth quarter? Because Giannis is playing out of his mind. He's not really getting any help whatsoever. And then in the fourth quarter, my note goes, Bobby Portis? Bobby Portis! Bobby Portis! We have Bobby Portis showing up, getting some timely buckets. Giannis continuing. Uh, Giannis had two of the biggest plays, I think, in the fourth quarter when he he blocked Booker twice, both on drives where it looked like Booker had him beat. And there was the one where Phoenix was complaining about the contact. You can argue if that was a foul or not, but... That looks clean. Yeah, Milwaukee's... Other guys showed up, not a ton, not huge, but just enough in that fourth quarter. Um, They pull away. We see Drew Holiday. He hit that clutch corner three with time expiring on the shot clock. He Mm. gets – he got a – there's another three. It was a three or a jumper. I'm a little murky on that one, so forgive me. But I remember him hitting another another shot that made me go huge. Chris Middleton, when you needed him most, hits that turnaround fadeaway to really kind of keep it at arm's length for Milwaukee. And, you know, despite Phoenix hanging around, they brought it within, I think, four with yeah. just under two left. Milwaukee ekes it out, and they win the NBA title. I mean, just a great game, a, a wonderful series. I mean, I don't think you could have asked for better theater from this series unless we got a game seven. That would have probably been the only way this is better. But, man, I, I feel like this finals was such a treat. Yeah, um, I think winning it in Milwaukee in Game Six is probably uh, probably the best storyline. I think um, Giannis winning it on his home court in front of his home yeah. crowd. I think that it, it might actually be the most theatrical finish. Um, True. To, to be honest, I, I think we painted a lot of poetic on um, 
on Chris Paul winning a title for the first time and, and kind of what that would look like and, and Suns in four and then what happens if Suns maybe the Suns win in five or seven, they do it on their home court and Chris Paul wins and where does this put Devin Booker? Is he a top ten player now and all that stuff? But I don't know. Um I was wrong. I didn't put enough stock into um who Giannis is as far as um being like the alpha of the league um and and kind of where he is and just kind of the storyline that this this really told with again his knee bending the other direction you know a few yeah, weeks ago we've completely forgot to talk about this this guy's knee bent yeah. to milwaukee from atlanta basically and we didn't even know he was going to play in these finals and all he does is put up just consecutive 40 point games from game two on yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't. Not consecutive. He scored what 32 or 33 in Game Five. But yeah. still, three. 40, let's just read the line one more time for Giannis Antetokounmpo tonight. 16 of 25, one for three from three. 17 of 19. I'm gonna read it again. 17 of 19 from the free throw line. 14 rebounds. He, he was six. 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Yes. The, the Suns were 16 of 19. Keep going. Uh, yeah, 17 of 19. 14 rebounds. Two assists. Five blocks. And to cap it off, 50 points. Only the seventh 50-point performance in NBA Finals history. Yeah. Yeah. He was – I I tweeted this right after the game. Giannis was legendary tonight. He wasn't good. He wasn't great. He wasn't fantastic. He was legendary. And kind of to go back to what you said about not giving him enough credit, I, I'm never taking him for granted again. I, I've, I will admit it. I've taken him for granted. I've mm-hmm. kind of turned the blinders to him. Maybe it's a little bit of central division, me not wanting to admit he's as good as he is. Right. He is. He, and I don't think that tweet just holds up for this game. I think this series – he was legendary. He was the best player on the best team. It, it, there's a reason why. I mean, he obviously was the runaway winner for finals MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I did really like when they handed out the finals MVP. Um, I felt, and I, I've never been a Giannis guy. I've always, you know, enjoyed the Bucks a decent amount. Um, yeah. But I, I've never been like a Giannis guy, right? Mm-hmm. But it was emotional. It was emotional watching yes. him on the court. Um, you almost like wanted to like tear up just because, you know, don't call me the MVP. Don't call me the two-time MVP until I win my championship. And he's standing there with the championship hat on and the whole arena is going crazy. He has the Bill Russell NBA Finals MVP trophy in his hand and the whole arena in unison I'm, just chance mvp mvp i mean and for the first time oh. he can finally be the mvp that he worked so hard those two years he worked so hard for this year um i mean cr- cr- it's a it was a disney movie it was honestly yeah. a disney movie. i mean i i think it it really hit me at that moment but also just as soon as they won and he is just delirious just hugging everybody yeah. and he just takes the moment he just he throws some randos hat off the courtside seat and just sits there. He just, yeah. just sitting there and taking it in. And I just 
and I know you've, we've seen so many of those moments before in the NBA Finals, but there was just something so cathartic mm-hmm. about watching it. I just, I, it was, it, we've said it a ton to each other. And as explaining it, you know, we've been watching the playoffs, helping some of our friends get into the NBA for the first time. And we've com- consistently said Giannis 100% approval rating throughout the league. You know, mm-hmm. it, just one of the most beloved dudes in the league. And you just you can't help but feel so happy for the guy. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I thought another awesome moment. And, and we will definitely get into more than just these moments, but uh, another awesome moment that I thought was Giannis seeing Bud and Chris Middleton hugging each other, and then he just walks up and just encompasses that. I mean, mm. oh, it had me weak, man. It, it was and, awesome. And the amount of respect they have for each other, Giannis says in his speech, the, the two things that he focused on, well, three things, right? He focused on his brothers, of course. I mean, yes. almost expected that he would mention his brothers. That is so oh, yeah. much of his storyline, who he is his brother. So, you know, that there would be something in there, which, which I really enjoyed. Um, he talked about coach bud, um, can't wait to run it back with you next year. Right. So, um, talk about the job security for coach, Bud. obviously he's going home with the championship. We know that, um, he is off the hot seat as of now, but Giannis just completely squashes everything by just saying, we're running it back. And then, and and I brought this up when we were watching this uh, together on Discord. The moment that they hand Bud the trophy, he has it for maybe a two count, right? He has it, holds it, looks at it, and then goes, where's Chris? He kind of turns over his shoulder and goes, where's Chris? And there was a player standing in between uh, Coach Bud and Chris and kind of it kind of moves and hands it to Chris to just kind of hold. And Chris is the keeper of that trophy, really. Yeah. Um, while they're going through this whole presentation. And and then you kind of just hear this respect where uh, Giannis is talking and he goes, Chris, we really did it. For eight years, we were together and we really did it. And it uh, you wouldn't have even known there were 17,000 people in that arena. You no. wouldn't have known that the court was stormed with people. Malika Andrews and Adam Silver are standing right next to him. You wouldn't have known any of that. Because he is literally talking to him like he is his best friend of eight years, yeah. like they have gone to war with each other every day. And he goes, you have pushed me so much, Chris. Chris Middleton is an honorary Antetokounmpo brother at this point. Yeah. I mean, truly. It was, it was awesome, man. It yeah. was awesome. I mean, and- I know that I know that, that Chris Middleton's stock has just skyrocketed. Um, but I think that the way that certain NBA players have respect for each other um, is noteworthy also. Yeah. Like, like the weird little, like everyone likes DeAndre Jordan. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's kind of like a weird little thing, right? And kind of the respect that certain players have for other certain players. Um, just like the clear amount of respect that he had uh, for Chris Middleton. It, it was it was pretty neat to see. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Coach Bud, talk about a redemption arc, man. This guy was about to get fired a month ago. And yeah. now he's an NBA champion. I mean, we can say all we want and, and about his adjustments, his lack of adjustments, uh, him looking like he just lost a $1,000 bet every time the camera cuts to him on the sidelines. But the dude, he got those guys to compete and come together, and he's a champion. 
hats off to Mike Budenholzer. Hats off to the entire Bucks organization. It just an awesome, awesome season. Um, and I know we are about an hour removed from them winning the NBA Finals now, but I think, you know, let's go ahead and just kind of take a look at where not just the Bucks, but also the Suns, where they go from here. And yep. I, I said, let's, we're already on the Bucks, so we'll, we'll start with them. Um, okay. I think a huge thing to, to talk about with Milwaukee winning is how good this is for the league. I think yeah. seeing a small market win, it, I'm always going to be a proponent of that, but I think how they won. They won this title doing the same thing that all the big market team big market teams do. They they drafted their superstar. You, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That kudos to them for getting Giannis to stay, but making the savvy trades for Middleton. You know, sucking it out, sticking it out through the Bledsoe years, but realizing we need that final piece and going all in for Drew multiple Holiday. first round picks, multiple first round picks, and getting Drew Holiday. Milwaukee has proven that you do not need to be the bid market to win a title, to put a championship contender together. Um, I I would just love to get your thoughts on that, you know, to start off with. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when we say small market, Milwaukee's not necessarily like a small town, right? Um, So it's almost, it's almost weird to say that. Um, Non-major market maybe would be a better non-major market. Right. Absolutely. So I I definitely know what you mean, right? It's not, you know what I mean? It is not uh, Chicago. It's not LA. It's not New York. We would definitely agree. Um, But when you look and there's 65,000 fans outside of the arena um, and and kind of that fear of the deer uh, area, I don't know. It looked more like a, it looked more like DMX at Woodstock 2000. Um, then, uh, Shout out than to a deer district, then a small yeah. market team, right? Deer district I mean, was insane, insane. It, it reminded me of Toronto. Oh yeah, uh, a couple years ago, it looked a lot like that. It kind of had that same energy. Um, didn't didn't really feel like a small market. Felt like, uh, you know, it felt like they had one of the best two players in the in the country playing um, on their team. And then, you know, it felt like they just had the better team and and, and deserved to be there. So yeah. it, it didn't didn't feel like an underdog story by any means. I mean, they weren't punching up or anything like that. Felt like they should be there. And um, I don't know. I don't. There wasn't there wasn't anything missing from me. Giannis is the number two jersey, uh, number two best selling jersey in the yeah. league. I mean. Uh, I don't know that it doesn't it doesn't tell me that that small market matters. Devin Booker's the number six selling jersey. When we get this matchup, everyone's like, "Is this horrible for ratings?" And it's like ratings. Who do you think is watching these games? People that buy basketball jerseys are watching these games. Yeah, I don't think it's terrible for ratings. The, the same fans that are buying all these jerseys are watching the games, and they want to see good basketball. And we got really good basketball the first quarter, and even the second quarter. And eh. those last Wasn't two quarters a were great. Chef. Yeah. Game five, game four, there was incredible. Only, there was only one true blowout, if you want to say, and that was game three, right? When when Milwaukee kind of pulled away, but these games were all close down the stretch. 
it it yeah. was never it never at any point did it feel like you know, that one team was outclassing the other it it was a dogfight man it was it was yeah. an awesome series between these two yeah and, and i think that you know i think that we're going to look at kind of where Giannis is in the league where does where does he stand in the league and when you talk about having a guy that is a two-time back-to-back MVP twice within the last three years, finals MVP this year that he didn't win it. Defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year. I don't, I mean, that is a super duper star that, you know, like, no, I know he wasn't in space jam, but like that mega ultra Uber. I don't know what else. Chocolate covered superstar. I, I don't know what I, I don't else know you can what, do. <laughs> yeah, that, he is literally just he, that is everything you can ask for. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, I think that also I think sports fans came together. What was it? A week ago? Two weeks ago? And and we all kind of had a conversation and agreed. Hey, to be the face of a league, does do you have to be of American heritage? We just had this discussion when it came to baseball, right? Yeah, we ju- we literally just had this discussion. It's like, what do we really want out of the face of our league? Do we want you to just be like a- an entertaining interview, or do we want you to go out there and be literally the best? And he's both. Yeah, and I and I think <laughs> that he is literally both. You I, that two minute clip where he talks about his where he talks about ego, he talks about um, humility. Yes, and he talks and he talks about. Uh, and pride. pride yeah it is so well spoken for a 26 year old for for any age but for a 26 year old to have that much kind of like meta awareness yeah, yeah head uh, head clarity like i think he's very well spoken i think he's everything that i look for in a basketball player um and i'm surprised to say it i mean i think that um i'll say that i think he's top two with kd um yeah. after watch i mean i saw him and kd go head to head and I, I don't know how I feel about putting him ahead of KD, but uh, I I would definitely definitely understand anyone that wanted to argue he's number one over KD, um, but I, I think that's probably the top two of the league right now. Of course, I agree. I, I very much agree. Which now leads me to I think the big question, and this is a way too soon prediction, but we're gonna talk about it anyway. Their core three of Giannis, Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton are all under contract through 2024. They're getting Dante DiVincenzo back next season. Mm-hmm. The rest of the East is going to be back. They're going to be getting healthier. But do we think Milwaukee has an actual shot at repeating? Or did they just cash in on their best title opportunity? Yeah, I think um, obviously we got to assume health. They stayed they stayed pretty healthy. Yeah. Dante DiVincenzo is probably one of their best five guys mm-hmm. um, out of their big three. And then probably Brooke Lopez and Dante DiVincenzo. Um, but something, I think the only big guy that they um, could potentially lose next year, and this is, with, I don't have it in front of me, but um, PJ Tucker, I believe, is the only one that's a, a free agent next year. Um, I think yes. he was making somewhere in the 15 million range. No, he is. Um... I've got it How pulled much up was right here. Last so year? PJ Tucker, um, seven point nine million. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, but they've got so bird rights on him, so they'll yeah. have an advantage in the contract. Jeff Teague will come off the books. I don't think that's a re-sign. Thanasis, they have, 
is a restricted free agent. And then Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes both have player options. Bobby Portis's player option is only $3.7 million. I actually think after that finals performance, he might opt out to try and get more money. But yeah, he may love the a- team that much that he wants to try and run it back. You never know. Yeah, I think that he's had a few shots, um, you know, between Chicago, what, Chicago, New York, stuff like that, where yeah. I don't know if he, you know, I don't know if he wants to go back to that, right? He, he's true. he's seen that. He's missed the playoffs plenty, and, and he's just experienced that. Um, they'll have the mid-level exception. Um, I don't remember if they're a tax-paying – again, I don't have their cap sheet in front of me. No. I don't know if they're a tax-paying team or not. The mid-level, the full mid-level exception next year will probably be about $10 million. The taxpayer mid-level exception will probably be six, six and a half million or so. Um, you know, is that enough to get PJ Tucker back? Yeah, I think it is. So yeah. um, I think they could get him back. Uh, you know, PJ Tucker is like 36 years old. Again, I, I don't have that in front of me, but geez, that, I mean, he's getting up there in age. So um, yeah, I think, I, and listen, I know PJ Tucker had, four or five games this playoffs alone where he had literally zero points. Um, and these are games that he's starting. He's playing 28 minutes or so. Um, but when you talk about, can they repeat, you are going to run into Kevin Durant. You okay. are going to run into Jason Tatum. You're going to run into these wings and need a wing defender for him. And I know Giannis can, but Giannis plays that free safety kind of floater, um, kind of rim protector. I can come up and meet you at the perimeter also, though, um, where P.J. Tucker really is like that perimeter wing defender. Um, yeah. So I think that I think P.J. Tucker would be the valuable one for them to really look at. If they can get him back, if they can stay healthy, absolutely. I love Dante DiVincenzo. I think he's really good. Um, Bryn Forbes, I could, you know, the more trust they get in him, um, Jeff Teague was all time dog shit this playoffs. Like actually some of the worst some of the worst playoff <laughs> basketball I've ever seen. It, Jeff it, Teague was horrible. It Jeff got Teague to the point horrible. where so, with, with some of those games where I remember we'd be sitting there and you'd hit you just unprompted go, Mike Budenholzer, stop playing Jeff T challenge. <laughs> Yeah, like please. It got to the point where you were just you were you were pulling out hair when Jeff yeah. T was playing. Jeff T was miserable. Um, so I think Bryn Forbes can easily take those minutes. You know, I'm Br- Bryn Forbes guy. He's oh, a Michigan yeah. State guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could see him. I could see him uh, definitely in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I don't know what this Nets team looks like next year. But I, I definitely think they're easily in the Eastern Conference Finals, assuming they could make it through the Nets. Um, then, yeah, because, again, I think Giannis is a top-two player, and I think that Milwaukee is probably a top-two team. Um, and I think the Nets are probably the second-best team. I think the East right now yeah. holds, holds the two best teams. But, uh, yeah, they, they have all of their chips pushed forward right now with their draft picks um, fully invested. So I think uh, I think that they can make a good run. For sure. So now moving over to the other side of things, because unfortunately with every winner, there is a loser. Mm-hmm. The Phoenix Suns, after, and let's not understate this, a remarkable season for this franchise. Mm-hmm. Nobody expected Phoenix to do what they did this year. 
Right. Before we get into anything, let's make that very clear. This was a magical season out in Phoenix, out in the Valley. Mm -hmm. Hats off to Suns fans. Hats off to the Phoenix Suns organization. It was an awesome run. But in this series, after being up 2-0, they lose four straight. What went wrong? Chris Paul wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's one. Um, and, and each of these I'd kind of like to dive into a little bit. Oh, yeah. Chris Paul wasn't enough. Um, I think that uh, Zach Lowe had the stat going into the game. I don't know if you saw it. Um, it made a little run on, on Twitter for a minute that Chris Paul in 40 minutes playing without Devin Booker was negative 37. Um, just mm. when Devin Booker wasn't on the court with Chris Paul, they weren't getting it done and it just wasn't yeah. enough. And, uh, you know, Cameron Payne, I know that people are high on Cameron Payne and, and, and like him again to me. It's really ISO heavy. It is. He's for sure a ball stopper. Um, it. It's not my preference, to be honest. I'm Cameron not. Payne, Cameron Payne I'm, scored all ten of his points tonight in the second quarter. Correct? Or did he score? Was it split between the second and third? I I I don't have because that every, because that, everybody was but, like buying drinking the Cameron Payne Kool Aid again tonight over that small little stretch where where he scored 10 and they're like campaign you know he's going to come make a bigger impact again and, and then he just went silent um yeah i know he had a couple miss miss shots in a row and then he came back down had a really quick drive where he was able to sneak one up yeah um and it was like man you just love it when he when he drives in isolation it's like do you cuz he just did it twice and it was not successful yeah um it, and and even when he's not like missing shots he had a, another drive tonight where he drove, got all the way fully under the basket, and then just like bullet passed it. It's just a horrible pass. Um, to me, it's just not the kind of ball movement. When Chris Paul is out there, it is to take advantage of matchups. Yeah. And Cameron Payne is not taking advantage of matchups. He's quick. That is that is his thing. He is quick. He can get by his guy. Um but I, I just don't think that he was necessarily meshing with that whole um, with that old take advantage of matchups. Mikael Bridges was very forgettable. I like uh, unfortunately, him. I felt like they could have gotten him involved a little bit more. We'll, we'll dive a little bit more into that. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Paul, and and Devin Booker. Um, unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. Um, I mean their big three compared to Milwaukee's big three, right? Giannis outplayed Devin Booker. Yep. Uh, Middleton outplayed. outplayed Chris Paul and Drew Holiday. Probably outplayed and, De- and DeAndre oh, yeah. Ayton. Right? And, and so when you a, look at yeah. three versus three, like we had the, we had the best player in the series and our top three was better than your top three. Yeah. And you're just going to win those games. That's yeah. it. And I think, you know, especially you mentioned DeAndre Ayton. I think that's a guy that's going to get so much flack in this series because he had a quiet series. And Giannis just put in work in the paint. But I think you have to look at both of those with a great assault. I mean, yeah. DeAndre Ayton on the offensive end plays a position that is reliant on Devin Booker 
for Chris Paul to get the ball to him on those high pick and roll actions. But Booker and Paul love to get to that mid-range elbow. I mean, I saw it early in the game tonight. They were trying to run a pick and roll, and DeAndre Ayton's trying to roll to the basket, and Devin Booker just cuts him off in the in the roll to get to his spot. And I, I get it, your spots are your spots, but that just kind of that kind of summed up this series yeah. for me. I, I felt like once Milwaukee figured the issue out with the switches, it was just they were they were a freight train rolling downhill. And that that's and, one thing I think Bud deserves a lot of credit for. He figured out how to keep Brooke Lopez from being ISO Island after the first two games by playing Pat Connaughton a little bit more. They played small. We saw a little bit more Brooke Lopez tonight, and somehow that lineup worked. I, I was shocked. But I thought the ISO – I felt that like the Suns just fell in love with ISO basketball a little bit too much in this series. I agree. Um I mean, again, credit to Coach Bud. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooke Lopez in game one was negative 17, plus minus. He was negative 17, and it was it was a harassment, really. It was it didn't even seem fair. He was getting harassed yeah. for sure. The rest of the series going into tonight, um, he was plus two, plus minus, right? Ended so, up plus nine on the night tonight. Right. So he ended the series um, plus 11 after that first game. And so you, you really did see that adjustment. I'm curious, um, Aiton not getting involved. He was a lot, I felt like he was a lot heavier um, involved in the Clippers series. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because the Clippers played a handful of small ball lineups. That's true. You know, they, yes. they played a lot of those guard lineups. Do you think that Aiton just struggles against these big lineups? Or, could, yeah. or do you think it was just like the lack of involvement? Do you think I, that if they would have just got him involved that he would have had more success? Because it was frustrating to watch just knowing like run a play for the guy. Yeah. And when I they played the Clippers, yeah, they did. That's kind of where where I was going with that. I don't know if getting DeAndre Ayton involved is the difference maker because I did see a lot of ball denial from mm-hmm. the Bucks. They kept him from getting to his spots. And they did a great job fronting him, just making it hard for Phoenix to get the ball to him. Again, credit to the Bucks. But if you're Phoenix and Monty Williams, why why aren't you trying to make adjustments to get your guy open? That's that I think that's what was frustrating to watch because that's now just gonna go down as a what if. We mm-hmm. don't really we don't really know. Right. I, we saw we saw DeAndre Ayton have probably the quietest twenty and ten night in game five. I, like, I remember he hit that free throw to get to his 20th point. I was like, he's got 20? Mm-hmm. And so it just – and on the defensive end, you felt for him because, I mean, he just had Giannis coming at him like a just bowling ball on fire. There's it, no way he yeah. had fun. There's no, no way he no. had fun in this series. Literally, <laughs> Not <at> like, all. <laughs> there was no way he had fun for a moment. Honestly, yeah. I, I, do, I, I felt literally bad for him just like – he was just basically running shuttle sprints. It's like, (laughs) you are going to run shuttle sprints and be in a boxing match. That is what your matchup looks like after going against the Clippers, um, where it was like, we're going to play with four guards and maybe we'll play Zubats. I don't know, but we'll play four guards and do whatever. And DeMarcus cousins will just front Jay Crowder on a baseline so that you can get a free lob. I mean, we, who knows? Right. So go crazy. uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I felt bad 
I felt bad for his lack of involvement um, on the offensive end because I do feel like he would have been somewhat productive, not yeah. as productive as the previous series, but I, I do think it would have been productive. I felt bad that defensively he had to have that matchup of yeah. Giannis barreling down. And there was times where Giannis took a step or two back and then went forward and just said, let me get a full head of steam. Right. And we saw Giannis with like spin moves tonight. I looked at you and I said, a full speed spin move. Yeah. When did he add that? Like he was, re- he like, was reaching so far in the back. He was finding things that he didn't even knew he had. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you just feel for him. And also Aiden has to, and this isn't his fault, but he has to play carefully when your depth is Frank Kaminsky and, you know, Dario Sarge is out for the, for the series and you have just Frank Kaminsky. Yeah. I mean, he, he had, Aiden had four fouls with four minutes left in the third. Well, Frank Kaminsky has to come in now. And it's like, well, now we're not going to run any sets for Aiden, obviously, because he's on the bench. But then the next time that Aiden's in, you know that he's going to play a little more passive with the four fouls. And, and he just didn't have the freedom. He didn't have his number called. Um, you do kind of feel for him a little bit there. Yeah. And to kind of go off, uh, when you mentioned Mikhail Bridges, I think this was another thing that really hurt Phoenix as the series just drug on. They never really got help from other guys on the roster, not named Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, or Jay Crowder. It just yeah. it felt lost. Yeah. yeah. It, it just – I remember you know, remember looking back on that Clippers series. It just felt like every game in that series when Phoenix won, they got that extra push from someone mm-hmm. off the bench. And Mikael Bridges did have his 27-point outing. I believe that was in game two. Mm-hmm. But after that very quiet series offensively, thought he was fine defensively in the series. Um, but I just I felt like the the Suns just kept trying to drive through the brick wall that was the Milwaukee Bucks instead of trying to maybe find ways to go around it, see if you mm-hmm. could dig under it. I, I just I felt like there was some creativity that was lacking yeah. on the Suns' end. Yeah, you know? I, I fully agree. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved would have loved to have seen them, and I'm I'm not saying run the offense through Cam Johnson, run it through Mikael Bridges. I'm just saying it would have been nice to see them try and get some more sets to get their guys open, especially Cam Johnson, who if you get him hot, it, it that's it, that just causes chaos for the other team. So that was uh, that was kind of one of my bigger takeaways. Um, yeah, what yeah. Bridges only yeah. having seven shots. Um... I mean, that doesn't feel great. No, definitely not. So what do you think the Suns needed to have had a shot at turning this series around? Is there anything outside of the things we may have already talked about that you're you're looking back on this series and you're thinking, if they just would have done this, this would have put them in a better spot? So, geez. Honestly, when you look at the Suns, it's like, all right, their backcourt solid right i yeah. mean you you really can't ask for more out of the backcourt you can't no. devin booker was went nuclear multiple games in a row just hit some incredible shots the shot the shot in this series was awesome and i feel like we've said this multiple times i, I want it to be super clear devin booker made incredible shots with 
incredible defense on him. Yes. Like consistently incredible defense I, I could, on him. I I we I wish we would have kept a tally of great defense, better shot that you and I said to each other this, We're watching this series, this postseason, but specifically regarding Devin Booker. Yeah, I felt like we would watch it and we would go, man, that's great defense. And Devin Booker would do a turnaround, a turnaround jumper, like, you know, from the top of the key. And it would just go in. And I'd just be like, <laughs> it was and, awesome. and so, so, you know, what, what else do you want out of your guards? I, I think that's, that's a, that's about all, you know, I well, think less, tur- Devin Booker, though, less, I do want, less turnovers. Less I do turnovers. want to ask you because while he did hit some awesome shots, at any point, did you feel like Devin Booker's scoring and shot making ended up being somewhat of a detriment to the Suns in this series? Do you feel like he turned the blinders, blinders on? Blinders on. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think that less turnovers and a, a little more ball movement could have helped this team out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Those those two things for sure. Rebounding, they lost a rebounding battle. You're playing the Bucks, right? Like you're you just lose a rebounding battle. That's yeah. fine. Like the Bucks have, yeah, they have the best big man in the league. Like you lose yeah. the rebounding battle to the most athletic big man in the league. That's I mean, fine. coming in coming into the what night. Else? Yeah, coming into the night, Phoenix was averaging 43 rebounds per game. The Bucks were averaging 48 rebounds per game. It's just. It's tough to make up that difference. Yeah. It's just tough to do that. But but you can't lose that, and then you can't have more turnovers. I thought turnovers were a really big thing, and I will, you know, is this an issue with Phoenix? Or is this credit to the aggressive on-ball defense that Drew Holiday had? <sighs> so good. You know, do I think that, like, Chris Paul played bad? Or do I think that Drew Holiday just played otherworldly on defense? Yeah, I mean— do I think I, I that DeAndre Ayton didn't play well, or do I think that Giannis just busted his ass to get rebounds? It's I don't know. Yeah, I I, I definitely think, especially with the Drew Holiday defense thing. I remember he did uh, one of those film study sessions for Bleacher Report where he like breaks down how he approaches every matchup. And granted, you could probably probably get this type of commentary out of Eddie Dunley, but I just remember walking away from it, just how meticulous and how. Well prepared, he goes into every matchup, and he proved in this series shots weren't falling. This was not Drew Holiday's opus by any mm-hmm. means, but defensively, it was a masterclass, an mm-hmm. absolute masterclass. Um, the way he just, whether he was on Chris Paul or the way they would switch him on to Devin Booker into the fourth quarters, he just controlled the matchups every chance he got um yeah yeah but you mentioned rebounding and i i i agree i think one spot where if you're phoenix heading into this offseason that you maybe look into especially sharch he's probably out past, he's out past the all-star break at the at the minimum right like, yeah. do you think he comes and, back next season i don't know i mean how excited are you to like no I, let's I, just yeah. let's just get to March so we yeah. have Sarge back. No, no, I mean, exactly. Um, I think because uh, you and I, as we were kind of talking earlier today, just kind of in lieu of Milwaukee potentially winning and mm-hmm. us doing this episode, you know, we were talking about who who do they target? Who are some free agent targets for them? And 
you said a, a really great option, and I think a best case scenario for them would be Montrezl Harrell if he declines his player option with the Lakers. I think that's a guy that Phoenix will aggressively go after. Just high energy to in those spells when Aiton needs to get off the court, you can potentially run some options or some lineups with them together because Harrell's just a dog. It just a guy that can go get you a rebound. And yeah. Yeah, my my only hesitation with Harrell is does he think that he is worth more because yeah. he had he had some tweets where um or maybe it was on Instagram where he was talking like well you know if I had more playing time blah blah, blah. um and he's like six seven ish mm-hmm. he definitely definitely plays like he's seven seven um yeah. but he is six seven um which does put you at somewhat of a disadvantage. I think that other free agents like Rashawn Holmes, probably yeah. not available. Rashawn Holmes played over 30 minutes a game for the Kings. They really like the guy. Um, I mean, he is super efficient. They are much better when they have him on the floor. I think they're almost 20 points per possession better when Rashawn Holmes is playing. I don't see the Kings getting rid of him. Yeah. Um, so I think they keep him. I like Drummond. Yeah. I mean, a guy like Drummond, if you want rebounds, you know, listen, I'm the Detroit guy. I've done the embarrassing Drummond takes. I'm done with that. I'm retired from defending Andre <laughs> Drummond. I'm good on it. I'm good on it. I, I'll Friend, friendship crow. ended with the Andre Drummond defense takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the post Andre Drummond clarity that I had once he was off our team. <laughs> was just immaculate um so i i get it but if you are looking for a free agent that can rebound the ball i'm i'm just saying sure i'm just saying yeah there's a reason he averaged like 16 rebounds a game you know like 16 i think deandre ayton is a really good rebounder he averaged about 10 this season 11 last season Drummond can definitely get you, you know, in those bench minutes. He will, he will definitely be getting you rebounds. I agree. And, and you know, we've got free agency a couple weeks away. So I, I know you and I are going to dive a little bit deeper into that yeah. oh, as yeah. it goes on. So we'll, we'll shelve that for now. But I just feel like those are definitely three names. If I'm Phoenix, kind of just right off, right off the bat of losing, where can I go? Those are definitely three guys that you should look into. Yeah, because you like again, you like their yeah. backcourt, you like their wings, right? In in the the Jay Crowders, the Cam Johnsons, the Mikel Bridges, you like that. You like Aiden as their starting big. Okay, well, do we like their big man depth? I don't think we do. No, I don't think and, we do. So, I, and I they're think gonna need they're gonna need the depth anyway. Kaminsky comes off the books this off season, so they're they're going to need depth. Kaminsky's yeah. gone. Uh, Sarge is out with the injury. I think that's a, just a glaring need that they're going to yeah. need to fill. Um, but Kaminsky, Kaminsky yeah, okay. played some decent. Kaminsky played some decent yeah. minutes tonight. As, I'm not. Some, I'm not a Kaminsky guy. Um, but he played some good minutes tonight. Yeah, that he had that. Uh, <laughs> he got that uh, pass right down there on the block where he uh, just did the quick little head fake. 
I, for, mm-hmm. I forget who was on him. Was it Giannis maybe who he got up in the air? Or was it Portis? One of the two just went flying by, and he put it – he had like a little four-point run by himself. You're like, oh, Frank the Tank showing out in his home state of Wisconsin. Good for that guy. Or not yeah. home state, but where he played his, uh, played his college ball. That all being said, uh, with Phoenix, I'll ask the same question I posed with the Bucks. The West – the West is going to reload. The West is going to be healthy again next season. The core of this team, minus Chris Paul, is very young. Chris Paul has a player option um, of $39.9 million that he can opt into. We'll get to Chris Paul here in a second. Um, but was this Phoenix's best shot at a title? Do, do you think they have any shot of, of making it back? Or maybe not next year, maybe in a few years, but – has the window already closed on this? Um, if I were a betting man, I'd say I'd say this is probably their best shot at winning a title. Um, just because it's so damn tough to win a title. Yeah, I mean, it, it is easy to say, you know, oh my gosh, the Clippers have Kawhi and they have Paul George. Like, there's no, you know, they'll probably win. I don't know, two titles, three titles. I mean. Not even There's, made it past the, yeah, didn't right. made it to the finals. Yeah, haven't made it to the finals. Kawhi's hurt. Like, do they do any? Like, do they do anything? The health we of the Lakers at, is always up in the air. If that team's healthy, that's you know, Golden, Golden State. I mean, they're Golden getting playback next season. They're getting playback. You don't. Jamal know Murray's what, coming back for Denver. You don't know what yeah. the seven fourteen Wiseman combo. Maybe the the um, salary of Wiggins. You don't know what that all looks like added yeah. added to their value, but then last year, who was who's Eastern Conference team? Miami, right? Oh, Miami, yeah. kind of kind of kind of a similar situation, right? Jimmy Butler's not as old and, and hasn't had the same career that Chris Paul has, but they had kind of that veteran guy, and then a couple of young guys that everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, Tyler Hero's only this old, Bam Adebayo's only this old, Duncan Robinson's only this old," like. This team's gonna be great forever. This team's gonna be fantastic forever. Like we're gonna Out see this the first team. round. Yeah. We're gonna see this team in the finals the rest of our lives. Out in the first round. And like I don't know. Do you think Miami's one of the ten best teams in the league? No, sir. You know, like no. and, and like that. What I mean, what changed? Just they lost Jake Crowder. <laughs> He went to Phoenix. Yeah, but like, I mean, you didn't take one of their top, you know, you didn't take one of their top three guys off their team or anything like that. Like, they didn't have like these massive, massive injuries to their best guy. It, it's just that tough. It is literally that tough. I don't know. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't see it. Yeah, I definitely feel like Phoenix's, what's their future is a lot more wide open. Yeah, and how our view of the Bucks is, and maybe yeah. there's some, maybe there's some recency bias because we just watched them win a title. Who knows? Yeah. Phoenix wins. Maybe we're we're the f- script is flipped, and we're saying, oh, here that here comes the next great young dynasty. But I, I definitely, I definitely just feel like there are a lot more questions than answers with this Phoenix team as far as can they make it back here. Yeah, I don't think the sky is falling by any means. No, no. I no. think I think they have a ton to be excited about. A ton. Yes. Um, and I think that they're gonna be in the mix. I think that they'll definitely be in the mix and everything. Um but I don't know. I think that if we play this season 
over another five times, do you think that they get to the title another two times out of the five? Another time or two? No. I don't know. With the injuries and everything, I probably yeah. don't think Who they knows? do. Yeah. I don't think they do. And then even if they do get to the finals and, and some other stuff plays out a little differently with injuries, do I think they beat the Nets? I don't think I don't think they do. So you know, I I think uh, I love watching Devin Booker play, but um, I mean, I mean, yeah, probably, Devin. Let me let's make it the best shot. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton became two of my favorite players this yeah. postseason. Yeah, it was so fun to watch, and it was it was awesome. It, it was awesome mm-hmm. watching that Phoenix run. It it sucks. To be on the losing end for them, I, I I know that this will only be more motivation for the two of them to continue working on their game, working on their craft. Um, but unfortunately, like I said, to kind of start this segment on the Suns, there's a winner. There's also got to be a loser. Yep. I mean, r- right now, Western Conference team's healthy. Where do you think the Suns are? Just off the oh, top I mean, of your head. I, just... I said that I was very open. I remember we talked about this yeah. leading into the finals. I think yeah. if Kawhi stays healthy, I think Los Angeles, I think the yeah, Clippers I take see. that series. I also think if Jamal Murray is healthy, I yeah. think that Denver series goes very differently. Um, yeah, I, I think Phoenix maybe still ekes out the win, but I think yeah. it's much more of a toss-up than, uh, yeah, than what I don't, we I don't got. think they would make it through Denver and the Clippers. Yeah. I don't think they exactly. would make it through, through both again. Um you which even, is okay. I remember, yeah, I which is you, okay. You, like, there's one trophy, and that's why we celebrate it so much. If it was something that was just like, yeah, you know, yeah, we can get there again. It's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Then we wouldn't celebrate it as much. But there's only one, and it is such a big deal because it is so, so hard to get to. And so, yeah, it's definitely not a knock on them. Of course. Now, as we kind of segue out of the Suns, we kind of open by talking about the legacy of Giannis. I want to get now to what losing in the finals. What does this do, if anything, for Chris Paul's legacy going forward? So I personally have Chris Paul up a notch from this playoff run. Yes. Um, his impact on the teams that he's played for, what the last four teams, he's all he's all made significantly better. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there is a but. I mean, there were people that were saying that he was better than Isaiah Thomas. I think he's better than a 5'11 guard that played for Boston, but that is about it. Like, I, you know, he's not better yeah. than Zeke, man. He is uh, – he, he's just not, unfortunately. I think he's, you know, probably around that – kid nash kind of range which is fine which is a great place to be of course um yeah unfortunately he's just probably not one of the best four probably maybe not the best five um but he's just right outside of that which again for nba history wise it's a great place to be yeah and i think it it really does speak to what he did with this phoenix team he wanted Mm -hmm. to come to phoenix he saw what could be. Yeah. And they and he made it happen. I mean, he turned DeAndre Ayton into a juggernaut. <laughs> he, he lit that fire under Ayton's ass. And over the back. And Ayton half recognizes of this season, it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the way that all those guys, I mean, you watch all the post-game press conferences, all the media availabilities of all the Suns players and mm-hmm. how just revered Chris Paul was in that locker room. Right. Um, it's really, it, truly something special that he did in Phoenix this season. But unfortunately, again, always a but. He had that stretch in this series where he was just rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he showed that he could still exploit teams. But I worry that uh, similar to like the 2018 Rockets, right, where you play him in the regular season and you don't really – like in 2018, the offense that the Rockets were running, like you didn't really see that. You didn't really understand what was happening. Yeah. And then James Harden would go off for 45 on you. And it was like, and the Rockets would have the best record in the league. And they would look like the absolute best team. And they would get to the playoffs. And then what would happen is teams would prep for it and prep for it and prep for it and play against it and play against it and adjust and slowly, slowly just adjust and adjust and adjust until there was no more. And I worry that like Chris Paul's game where it's just like, I'm going to attack every little weakness, every little bad mistake you do. I, I worry that over a seven-game series, like, do people just kind of learn, like, oh, these are the mistakes that I'm making. I just need to hyper-focus on those. Um, and Chris Paul, unfortunately, doesn't have that same Giannis move, where Giannis tonight was just like, I am stronger than you. I am going to barrel through you. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, I don't care what you did to prepare for me. Like, I don't care. I'm Giannis. I'm getting mine. And, and unfortunately, Chris Paul doesn't have that. It's all cerebral. And when you're at that level, I mean, all of those guys are really cerebral. And there's a lot of prep. Three games in, you know, what, yeah. a game every third day, a lot of prep. So, um yeah, I wonder if I wonder if kind of people caught on, and and that's what was tough. I don't know anything about an injury. It's really tough to kind of say. Yeah, I I personally I was gonna ask if you're buying the oh the hand injury if you're drinking that Kool Aid. I I personally I mean, the dude went out in an elimination game tonight, eleven of nineteen for twenty six points, yeah. with five assists. He had the three turnovers, the five fouls, but I mean, those were fouls at the end of the game. I just, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I think this circles back to our overarching theme. The Bucks simply unlocked the Suns. Yeah. And once they unlocked that box, it was, I mean, we saw it. They won four games in a row. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So just, you know, before we do wrap up, uh, few little fun things that I know you and I were wanting to just kind of touch at real quick before we say goodbye for this episode. You mentioned it with Brooklyn and Milwaukee being the top two teams in the league, in your opinion, um, which I also definitely do not disagree with. I think those are the two top Mm -hmm. dogs. Does this change the East versus West debate that we've kind of had going on I don't know, probably since 2000 at this point where the West is just this mighty all conquering conference. And when the East wins the finals, it's just cause one team kind of snuck in and didn't have to go through as tough of a schedule. And right. What, how has this postseason changed your mindset on the East versus West? Yeah. Um, geez. Let's 
Try and keep. We'll try and keep it as right. minimal yeah, as yeah. possible. Yeah. Yeah. So without knowing what happens to Dame, right? So like yeah. hypothetically, if real quick, if Dame does go to let's say the Sixers, yeah. Now we're looking at like three of the top four teams in the East, potentially something like that. Yeah. Um, with teams like Atlanta on the rise, getting DeAndre um, Hunter back, getting DeAndre Hunter back, yeah. the Miami Heat, who we saw can take that roster and Get go to, to an NBA Finals. Yeah. Um, I mean that's that's pretty good. Now what you're looking at in the West is it's tough now. And they're, it's really tough, but like a clear expiration date. And then there's a lot of really good up and young, up and young yeah. comers. Um, so, I mean, John Morant, Zion, people like that. Devin Booker playoffs. still. Yeah. Devin, yeah, Devin Booker. Um, you know, how long is Curry going to be like the best Curry? I think they still got a couple of years. Yeah. LeBron. Like, how long can you realistically do it, like, without getting hurt and stuff like that? Maybe that's a couple years. I don't know. Um, how does Kawhi come back from this ACL injury? Yeah, I, I, I just think that it is a lot closer. Um, I don't know if I'm saying the East is better than the West or whatnot. But, I mean, again, you look at – if Dame goes over to, like, the Sixers, I think the East is tougher. I straight yeah. up think the East is tougher. I really I think, do. I think we are in a very – cool transitional period in the nba Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that was probably my biggest takeaway from this this postseason you mentioned it with all the young guys that we saw finally make their playoff debuts maybe you did but luca you mean we still have the we got luca on the right i mean we got kate cunningham getting ready to come in in this draft jalen green evan it just the league is only getting better Right And just seeing how all this talent is getting dispersed, knowing that that gap between the the gap, I'm going to actually say, kind of using quotation marks with my hands, if it wasn't getting closer, it is getting closer. And it's, what's getting, cr- it's, it's probably the closest it, it might ever have or will be. And what's crazy is these teams can be young guys, young guys, young guys were – the bottom two in our division were the bottom two in our division were the 13 seed in our division. I mean, just look at teams that like miss the, the playing tournament this year, like the Pelicans, the Pelicans did. I mean, that's like, I mean, the Pelicans could be the next Phoenix, right? Yeah. They get like the right the Pel- veteran guard, not veteran right. guard, but I'm sorry, right. Veteran yeah, right. player in there. Right. Like, like you see that Phoenix goes from not being in the playoffs, right? They they went eight no in the bubble, but didn't make the playoffs. playoffs okay, yeah. so they weren't in the playoffs, and then they're in the finals, and everyone's chanting Suns and four, and there's a real thought of Suns and four, like are the yeah. Suns gonna win? Side note: How sick like was it? How sick was it watching Suns and four versus Bucks and six? The underlying. Right, chant war right. that we got <laughs> shout, shout right. out to both fan bases for that one that was that was a lot of fun <laughs> hey, it, was, it was a good time and both fan bases were really really good during this series yeah um i mean milwaukee fans show that they can show up and phoenix fans show that they can be a good time um, yeah so it is a really big shout out to both of those but yeah I only think dude that, that doesn't get a shout out is money counting guy dude money counting guy it. he no that's a that's four thumbs down right there 
Yeah, not a fan. Zero percent uh, approval rating. <laughs> but I think the Phoenix. I mean, that would be the blueprint for every team that misses playoffs. Um, right? It's just like we are going to have a young star, and we're going to have other shooters and, and other really, really good players. Everyone's going to be super switchable. Everyone's going to be switchable, and we are going to have that one veteran star. Add them in there, and we're good. And that actually, that's wonderful that you talked about switchability because that leads kind of into the next thing um, that I wanted to, to kind of bring up, which is this postseason. Postseason, man, talking really hard. Uh, it is one fifteen in the morning, so I guess that explains it. But this postseason, I think, really changed the way we look at team building as well. Just from especially, I mean, we just did our mock draft. If you haven't mm-hmm. listened to it already, it's it's already up on the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. We did that with Tim back on Sunday. It dropped on Monday. But we were kind of talking going in what we looked in, looked at for prospects. And you and I both kind of had the same idea of like shooting's the premium, defense is the next important thing. But P.J. Tucker just played an NBA Finals where he like averaged – Probably four points, half four a point. Points. Yeah, four, four points, points in that in that last series. Games, multiple games where he didn't score a single point, but he was mm-hmm. able to stay on the court because of his switchability. And you and I noted as we were discussing this point earlier about how we saw a lot of these prospects are now getting touted for their switchability, how they can guard multiple positions, and I think that's definitely the new premium. Mm-hmm. That is the premium shooting. I think your 1A is switchability, your 1B is is shooting. Or, I'm sorry, your switchability, switchability and shooting. Yeah. Um, that is, I think that is definitely where we are kind of heading as far as team building, what teams are going to look for in guys as they're getting these rosters together. I love this. I think this is an excellent point. And the P.J. Tucker is just like the blueprint for the draft, blueprint for team building, P.J. Tucker, zero points in 30 minutes. That guy is out there on the court. Look at, like, game one with Brooke Lopez. Doesn't matter if you're scoring or not. You can't be on the court because you're not switchable. Yeah. So scoring but not being switchable takes you out of the game. Switching but not scoring keeps, keeps you, in, you the in the game. game. Yeah. It's- I mean, literally, it's solved right there. It, 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 the whole riddle is solved. What is the most important thing? I'll tell you what it is. It's it's the one thing that the team that just won the title focused on was yeah. switchability. And that's what I mean, and this is where I get to have my kudos to myself moment. I predicted the Bucks and Six. Yeah. Kyle, what was my reasoning to you for why I picked the Bucks and Six? If you can remember. Um, I mean, we talked a lot about the defensive matchups. We talked yeah. a lot about the defensive matchups, um, and, and just kind of how all that worked. Why did I like the defensive matchups? Because the Bucks' ability to switch. Yep. And I am so mad because not only did we talk about the defensive matchups, I said, I said, I think that this person, I think that uh, Drew Holiday will specifically be on CP3. I think that uh, Middleton will be on yeah. Booker. I think that um, Giannis will kind of be like this floater rim protector that could switch out to the perimeter if needed. And I was like, man, I, I really kind of see all this kind of panning out and you ended and, up Paredes. and i and i said at first i said i really like the suns i'm gonna go bucks and six and what happened before game one this man so we get to game one 
We get to game one. It's about to be tip-off time, right? And we're just going over it again. We're just like, all right, I'm going bucks and six. I'm feeling pretty good about it. And they cut to the sideline, and it looks like a, it looks like a trailer for Uncut Gems 2. They show Mike Budenholzer, <laughs> and he just looks like he has the meat sweats, and he looks horrible. He looks horrible. And they show Mike Budenholzer, and I go, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Give me, give me the Suns and seven. Or so. I, I, I like. Im- I immediately jumped ship. I mean, it, Joe. Am I joking? When it was no. 15 seconds no, before it was, tip, we literally it was, uh, we were we were doing our we were doing our tip watch because we were trying to see what time they were going to tip game one. Yeah, and they cut to Bo- Budenholzer, and it was it was me, you, our buddy Casey, and our buddy Steve. We're all sitting in there. We did our uber last minute preds. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to food noser and college goes, no, I'm not hitching my horse to that wagon. Sons and seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was wrong. And I was wrong. Um, Your pred. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my pred. But, but just a, just an incredible series, an incredible season. Very fun. Mm-hmm. But I'd be remiss if we didn't mention two final things. One, Katie's foot on the line in game seven. Does mm. that now go down as one of the greatest what ifs in NBA history? I, I think it does, and, and it has this ripple effect because I think Giannis instantly moves into, like, not only the top two in, like, the league right now, which yeah. if you're in the top two with KD, I don't know what what else more I could say about you because KD is just about my favorite player of all time, right? Love yeah. Kevin Durant and have a ton of respect for who he is. I think he's, like, a top 15 player of all time, Kevin Durant. I think that Giannis in the all-time list – skyrocketed i mean yeah. took that billionaire uh jet right into space he you know literally what I mean? he, he euro stepped from half court into that into that upper he, echelon list he is i mean he made massive strides there yeah but but katie's foot two inches back he hits that shot that shot goes down as a all-timer top- as, as as one of the best playoff playoff shots of all time, I'm gonna assume the Nets get a little healthier with a little more time. Harden comes back mm-hmm. a little more. I would have the Nets winning any series from that point on. Um, and then KD goes on to probably win his third Finals MVP. Yeah, and, and then we're talking a different discussion. I mean, that's a totally different discussion altogether. So, um. It's a crazy what if for the legacy of two people yeah. um, that are really, I mean, just all time greats that are all time greats. So and they're both um, just gunning to be. They're just trying to state the claim as I'm yeah. the top dog in this league. Yeah, I think it's going to be an insane and fun storyline to continue following as the next few yeah. seasons go on. Well, before we say goodbye, Kyle, there is. One particular individual that it's time to bid a fond farewell to, and that's the Spalding basketball. Tonight was the final, mm. the final NBA game that will be played for the Spalding basketball before Wilson takes over. So we're, we're smoking Spalding. a Spalding pack. We're smoking the Spalding pack tonight, but <laughs> from here on out, we get constant Wilson. Wilson, I'm sorry, uh. Wilson. So farewell, Spalding, uh. Kyle. Hope you have a happy rest of your birthday. Thank I'm, you. Thank I'm you. I'm sure we will see each other 
tomorrow at some point to continue talking about this game. But to everybody else, thank you so much for listening to the Shot Callers. Um, we will see you next time. Uh, Kyle, one day closer to Kate Cunningham. Thoughts before we Yes, sir. <laughs> Love it. Uh, can't wait. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> see you, guys. Thanks for listening to Shot Callers. Make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcast. And leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network. I'm going to stop and give you all the love I got. And show you life.